0: Hello, welcome to Lights Carry Action. I'm Carrie Morrison and today I have a very low voice. And yes, I'm here to review films so you don't do any research. I hope everyone is doing okay this week. I know recently days are getting darker and darker, but there's still hope in the world. There's great art out there. There's people you love and support out there. So hold on there, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll all be okay. I know I'm only a film reviewer and I'm only here to, you know, pass time through your earbuds, but I still hope that you are having an okay day and that you are taking care of yourself because that is what matters. With that being said, let's get on to the first film of the week. Now, where to begin? My mother named me Enola, which backwards spells alone. And yet we were always together. It was wonderful. She was my whole world. Which leads me on to the second thing you need to know. Yes, yeah, so the first film I am talking about this week is Enola Holmes, which is written by Jack Thorne. Now, Jack Thorne was a co writer for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. He's written so many plays, I can't count. But he wrote this adaptation based on the novel by Nancy Springer. And it was directed by Harry Bradbeer, who you may know him from his directorial work on Killing Eve and Fleabag. So I find it odd that Harry Bradbeer has gone to direct a film that is so obviously for people in their mid-teens. It's it's very confusing. So anyway, Enola Holmes is about Enola Holmes, who is the sister of Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes. And when their mother disappears... She takes it upon herself to go find her mother, and also helping a runaway lord from an assassin. I must become something unexpected. (gasps) A lady. (laughs) You've progressed nicely. Is she safe? She's had company. I'm Viscount Tewkesbury. A useless boy. You have to help me. I'm not ready to die on a train. I'm not ready to die at all, and I wasn't going to before I met you. What are you planning, Mother? She always had a reason for everything. Her own way of doing things. Perhaps she wants to change the world. Perhaps it's a world that needs changing. Now... I'm going to say this is the first time I've ever watched a film where I felt old. (laughs) Because I'm 23, right? But I'm watching this film and it's so clearly not for me. It is for people in their mid to late teens. It is entertaining and I think it definitely hits the target audience that it wants. This is one of those films where Netflix just brought in all their stars that they can muster. They've got Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things who also produced this film. You've got Lewis Partridge, who's from the Netflix series Medici. And you've got Henry Cavill from The Witcher. You've got Helena Bonham Carter from The Crown. It just seemed like they all called in their famous A-list Netflix stars and called them in for favours for this film. I really like the score, which was done by Daniel Pemberton. And I think the way it's written and the way it's been directed, it is a perfectly well-made teen mystery film. And I bet... £50 pounds that there's going to be a sequel of this within three years. There's going to be another one. We'll see what happens but I'm, I'm putting that money on the line here right now. <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown obviously is very passionate about this project, and she produced it and also stars in it. I feel like she's okay and she's playing the role with such vigour but I didn't feel that she was completely transformative. Henry Cavill... I really feel was miscast for this film. I know this is meant to be a kind of diluted, gritty crime film for teenagers, but Sherlock is meant to be like this complete sociopath and this complete fountain of knowledge. But it just seemed that Sherlock was just this really gentle, introverted person who was apolitical, which I don't think Sherlock actually is. Seeing Henry Cavill's performance, I kind of just felt either he misinterpreted the original text or Nancy Springer's version of the Sherlock Holmes universe is so diluted to the point where it's just kind of borrowing the names rather than actually being immersed in the world but making it for teenagers. I really liked Sam Claflin as Mycroft. I actually did not recognise him at all he completely embodied that really misogynistic, gross human being, like filled with a sense of entitlement and privilege. I could tell that throughout the whole film, they were trying to address. An issue of people feeling like right now their futures are laid out for them and it feels like there's no other possible way of trying to make a future for ourselves and it's especially uplifting message right now to young people saying that it may look like your path is planned out for you because of such limited choices but there is that hope that you can make that future for yourself which i think is a very important message to bring out at the moment I would say, in summary, it is an enjoyable film. I I don't have many problems with it. But again, I can't really talk about it with immense enthusiasm because I don't think the film is meant for me. So if you know anyone who really loves mysteries but is probably a little bit too young for a very drug-dependent Stephen Moffat Sherlock Holmes, probably give Enola Holmes a go. Now, we're going to look at our next film of the week. And, folks, it is an epic You know, there is something about a tangle of strangers pressed together for days with nothing in common, but the need to go from one place to another and never see each other again. Yes, I'm going to be talking about 2017's Murder on the Orient Express, based on the original novel by Agatha Christie, and it is written by Michael Green and starring and directed by Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh takes on the famous Belgian detective, Hercule Poirot, and is on the Orient Express with a bunch of A-list actors, sorry, just other ordinary people, on their way to Calais in France. And because of a snowfall, they are trapped, and they find out one of the passengers has been murdered. God, murder here! God oh. rest his soul. Someone was rummaging around my cabin in the middle of the night. No one would listen to me. If there was a murder... What is going on? Then there was a murderer. The murderer is with us. And every one of you is a suspect. And who are you? My name is Hercule Poirot, and I am probably the greatest detective in the world. Now, I grew up on Agatha Christie murder mysteries, right? And my generation of Poirot was David Suchet. And especially since during lockdown, I've reacquainted myself with the amazing works of David Suchet Poirot and Gwendolyn McEwen as Agatha Christie's Marvel. I'm getting to the point where I've watched so many of them. They're now replaying some of them I've already watched. And now I finally know what it's like to watch a murder mystery and be like, oh, I already know how it finishes. And that is exactly how I felt when watching this film. And I'm seeing a lot of criticism of like, oh, it's so predictable and da, 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 you already know what's going to happen. And I'm afraid I can't really give that comment because I watched the really, I remember it was like this really dramatic, epic TV adaptation with David Tashay and I really liked it. So because I already knew what was going to happen, I was more enjoying it for the details. Even if I've never watched this film before particularly, And I find it interesting to try and adapt this film for, roughly, it was about two hours long, when normally, you know, I'm so used to it being in television, having it all crammed in an hour, and yet, even though this film was two hours, it felt like a lot of details and a lot of character development was very glazed over, and I'm not quite sure how they managed to do that. I wanted to know more about... Daisy Ridley's relationship with Leslie Oden Jr. I I can't remember the character names. At this point, when you're watching a murder mystery with an all-star cast, you remember the famous actors, not the actual character names. I wanted to know more about Kenneth Branagh's Mon Cherie Catherine, which I'm sure is going to be explored in future films, but what would have happened if there wasn't going to be a sequel of Murder on the Orient Express? It's just a loose thread that, for some reason, Poirot talks out a picture of a lady... And you're kind of like, why does this person mean so much to you? And I'm sure we're going to find out in Death of the Nile, which is the upcoming Poirot film coming out in the next couple of months, or maybe in future ones, like who knows? But it was so reliant on the fact it was going to get a sequel. There were threads that felt they weren't polished enough or it was just a little bit annoying to me as a viewer. It's really well shot. I think the performances are very well done. I think it is very well directed by Kenneth Branagh. I just wish that there was better navigation of the storyline so that everyone felt like a whole character rather than, I am this person. Oh, no, wait, I am this person. And I'm going to say, actually, Michelle Pfeiffer. I particularly enjoyed her performance in this. As well as Johnny Depp. I thought he was great. I don't know what people are saying, that he was... Milyoka. I thought he was great in the role that he was meant to be playing. It is really enjoyable. I, because I already knew how it was going to end, I just kind of sat there and let it all like wash over me, the experience. And it was actually really personally enjoyable for me. But I think that's just because of childhood nostalgia, watching the murder mysteries I grew up loving. Now, for the next film, I'm going to give a little bit of a trigger warning because this film does talk about rape cases. And if you're not comfortable hearing things like that because it is quite integral to the plot, you might not want to listen to this. But anyway, let's get on to the last film this week. Oi, hold What? What? Now we're on to our last film of the week, which is Memories of Murder, which was co-written and directed by director Bonjan Joon-ho, released in 2003. It's set in 1986. It starts with the first case of a woman being raped and murdered. And you realize that the local detectives are kind of out of their depth and then a detective from Seoul comes in to help investigate on the case and you can see the spirals getting crazier and crazier and you see them getting more and more corrupt. <laughs> 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 You might know the name director Bong Joon-ho fairly recently because he is the writer and director of the Oscar-winning film The Best Picture and Best Foreign Film, Parasite. And Parasite's absolutely amazing. I thought that was an example of a perfect film. I hadn't seen anything like it. And if you haven't watched it, ignore the two-inch barrier that director Bon Joon-Ho calls it. Go and watch it because it's absolutely phenomenal. Memories of Murder definitely has the threads leading up to Parasite it is a really well scripted film and you kind of have to bear in mind the context because it was made in 2003 so there are some problematic language and scenes in terms of how they depict disabled people and the way they treat women but if we're looking at the way director Bong Joon-ho develops relationships and how the plot develops it is very well made And it was so fascinating to see it develop, ending in a climax that is truly gripping. And you kind of are with the characters not having any clue how this was going to end because we realised that all of us in this case was just out of their depth. I particularly liked Kim Sang-kyong's performance as Seo Tae-yoon, who was the detective from Seoul coming to help with the investigation. He positioned himself above the local detectives, which was Park Dooman, who was played by Song Kang-ho, and also the character Cho Yong-ku, who was played by Kim roy And you saw these local detectives essentially torturing uh, suspects into giving false confessions. And you saw Seo Tae-yoon's build-up of Eventually, being so warped and twisted by this case that he becomes part of the problem. And you can see how toxic and awful, like being a detective for these kind of cases is. And it was really gripping because of that. And I wanted to know how it was going to end, I wanted to know who did it. But ultimately, it wasn't about who was the serial murderer and a serial rapist, it was about how there's such corruption in the South Korean police force that hasn't been addressed properly. And I felt it was a particularly brilliant crime drama, and I would highly recommend it if anyone is interested. Now that's all the time I had for this week, if I'm going to recommend a film to you. If you want a particularly good thinking piece, I would definitely recommend Memories of Murder because I think the ending is particularly spectacular and very thought-provoking. But if you just want a nice evening entertainment, I would recommend more Murder on the Orient Express. But thank you so much for listening. Please do rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It'd be massively appreciated. And you can follow the podcast development on Instagram at Media, And also you can follow my personal social media at Carrymo 97 on Twitter and Instagram. But for the time being, thank you everyone so much for listening. Take care, stay safe.